R-O-S-V-E and O-R. Thank you. And your first name? Melissa. You can spell that for me, please. M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Thank you. If you would sit back, pull the microphone right up underneath your chin, then we can hear you and you don't have to lean forward. Thank you. You may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming to Los Angeles. Uh, I'd like to invite your attention to May of 1991. Where did you live then? New York City. How long had you lived in New York City in May of 1991? 11 months. 11 months? Yes, sir. And were you working at the time? I was. What were you doing? I was a waitress at uh, Mumbles Restaurant. At I'm sorry. Mumbles. Mumbles Restaurant? Yes, sir. Try not to mumble myself. Um, at some time later, did that restaurant close? It did. They lost their lease. And did you move to another restaurant where you worked? I did. I moved to uh, Mermondo's. And in both those restaurants, what was your job? I was a waitress. Now, the second restaurant, what's the name of that? Mermondo's. Was that near a big hotel? It was. It was right across from the Waldorf. It was, in, it was the restaurant in the Doral Hotel. Okay. And we'll come back to that. In uh, May of 1991, did you meet a man by the name of Philip Spector? Yes, sir. And could you could you tell me how that happened? Just explain it to me. Sure. Um, my sister and I lived in New York together, and we were friends of Ahmed Ernigan, and he invited us to a dinner party that he was throwing. And I went to the dinner party, but I actually had other plans, but I could go for the cocktail hour. So I went. And then after the cocktail hour, as soon as they sat us down to eat dinner, I said goodbye, and then I was leaving. I was on my way out. And when I was leaving, Phil was walking in with a date. He was with a blonde-haired girl. And he's, they're walking towards me as I'm leaving, and he said, wait, 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 where are you going? And I said, well, I have other plans. I'm leaving. And he said, well, I'm... I'm going to this In a way it is, but it's also part of the conversation. It's a long sort of question and answer, not question and answer. It just needs a long answer. I'm going to allow it as long as it doesn't go too much longer. Okay, fine. You, you can finish your thoughts. So you're, you're walking out from this restaurant because you had another event to attend. Right. You ran into Phil, you said. Right. What happened then? He asked me, he told me who he was, and I told him who I was, and he asked me to um, stay. And I said no, that I had other plans. And so I left, and he went up to Ahmed and asked him who, the girl that just left, Melissa, who is that? And you he later learned that. Right. Let me ask you a few questions about what you just told us, okay? The Phil, do you see that Phil here in court today? Yes, sir. Could you point to him and tell the judge what he's wearing today? Um, he's right there with the black shirt and gray suit. Indicating Mr. Spector for the record. Thank you, Your Honor. Where, where was this dinner party? It was at a restaurant. And do you recall the name? I don't. And you said, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought you said you, that your sister went to the dinner party also. She did. Did she leave when you left or did she stay? She stayed. Prior to that day, prior to when you were leaving this restaurant, um, early before the dinner, after the cocktail hour, and met the defendant, Phil Spector. Had you ever heard of him before? No, sir. Didn't know who he was? I did not. And after he introduced himself to you as you left, 
Did you know any more about him? I did not. When's the next time that you heard anything about Phil Spector or from Phil Spector? The following day, his assistant called me and said that um, Mr. Spector was wondering if you and your sister would like to join him for dinner tonight. Now, did that come as a surprise? I mean, had you given him your phone number as you walked out of the restaurant that night? I didn't, but he walked up to my sister and asked her if she had my number. And later that evening, the same evening that you first met Phil Spector, did you have a conversation with her, your sister where she told you that information? She, she didn't. The next, well, the following day when he called, I said, you, you gave this guy my number, and she said, yeah, that, um, that was Phil Spector. And she, I don't know that she know, knew who he was, but she had met him actually another time prior to that night of that dinner party. Well, at least that's what you learned later on. Right. So when you got the call from the assistant who said they worked for Phil Spector, that was a surprise to you? You didn't give me your phone number? Right, I did not. Okay. And that assistant, do you recall their name? I don't. That assistant in that phone call the, the next day asked you if you and your sister wanted to go out to dinner. Right. What happened? Did you accept? We did. What happened then? Where'd you go? We went out to dinner and, um, and had a great time. He was very charming. He was, he was a quick wit. We laughed a lot and had fun. And after that dinner, the first di real dinner that you had with him, with your sister, did you start s some type of dating relationship with Phil Spector? I did. How long uh, did that last? About a year and a half. And during that year and a half period of time, um, would you characterize it as a romantic relationship? It was a um, platonic relationship. How often, typically, per week or per month, did you see Phil Spector during this year and a half period of time? I don't know if it was necessarily um, bi-weekly. We, a couple of times a month, we would go do things. Like what? We um, would go to dinner. We would go to the Nick basketball games. Uh, I'd go to parties with him. And during that period of time, did you enjoy being in his company? I did. This all occurred in New York? It did. During the year and a half? Yes, sir. And during that year and a half period of time, did you learn where Phil Spector lived, where he resided? Well, he was, he was living in a um, presidential suite at the, the hotel in New York, but I knew that he was from California. He told you that? He told me that. That he had a home in California? Right. And he also stayed in a hotel in New York? Yes, sir. When you first met him, or at least when you first learned where he lived in New York, which hotel was it? Do you recall? I don't really recall. Did there come a time when he, uh, you learned that he moved hotels uh, to a hotel closer to where you worked? He did. He moved to the Waldorf. And approximately how long after these first couple dinners did you learn that Phil Spector moved to the Waldorf Astoria? It was probably closer to a year. So after you'd been seeing each other for on and off for about a year, he moved to the Waldorf? Right. And again, how far from uh, the restaurant where you were working at that time was the Waldorf? Just across the street. 
Now I'd like you to think, um, I'll focus on a period of time about a year and a half after you met him. Did there come a time when he invited you to come to Los Angeles, to his Pasadena home? Yes, sir. Explain how that happened. Well, um, he, was going, he was in New York, he was going back to California, and he asked me if I wanted to come and see California and um, stay a couple of days. And I said, you know, let me check my schedule and I can see if I can. So then I, I told him that I could, that I had four days that I could go. And so his assistant called me and got the dates and then she sent me a ticket. So when I got the ticket, it was a one-way ticket. So then I called him and um, you know, asked him. Okay, let me ask you about that. Uh, a couple of questions about that. So you, he, Phil Spector, made the initial request of you to come to California. Right. And then all the details were handled by a special assistant? Right. And when you said you needed to check your schedule, was that your work schedule to make sure you get that many days off? Yes, sir. And how many days off did you plan on taking when you went to California to see Phil Spector? Four. You cleared that with your work? I did. And in your earlier answer, you said that the special assistant from Phil Spector sent you a one-way ticket to uh, California from New York. Is that right? That's right. Did that cause initially any concern or alarm or just make, make you wonder? Well, it did cause concern. That's why I, call, I called and I said, why is this a one-way ticket? What was your concern? Well, that I wasn't going to be able to get back to New York. And, okay, please go on. And so um, he just said that, oh, we'll just, I thought we would just play it by year and see how long you wanted to stay, if you wanted to extend your stay, or maybe we'll just go back to New York a day or two early. We'll just play it by year. So I trusted him and went. So because of that conversation, your concern wasn't as great as it had been before. Right. So the time came for you to get on the airplane and fly to California to see Phil Spector, right? Mm -hmm. Is that yes? Yes, sir. Okay. And um, was this a, do you recall, morning, afternoon flight? Do you remember when you arrived in L.A.? It seems like I arrived around 1 o'clock. In the afternoon? In the afternoon, after lunch. And did Phil Spector meet you at the airport? He did not. Well, how did you get around? Well, he sent a driver and they held a sign with my name. And then I got picked up and taken over to the hotel. Where was the hotel with the best of your record? Pasadena. Had you ever been to Los Angeles before? I'd, I'd been once before. Okay. Um, do you remember the name of the hotel? I don't. Okay. But you went from LA International, I assume, is that right? Right. To, with the driver to a Pasadena hotel. What happened then? I checked in and I was there until, um, well, I got picked up at 8 o'clock to go to dinner. And how did you get picked up? Did Phil Spector come and get you? Did he come in a limo with a driver? How did that happen? A limo with a driver. And where did you go next? What were the evening plans? We went to, um, we went to dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel restaurant. And then after dinner, we went back to his house. All right, let me ask you a few more questions about that. So you went to the Beverly Hills Hotel for dinner. If you left Pasadena at 8 o'clock, would you get there at 8.30, 9 o'clock? About? Probably. Okay. And did, 
Do you recall whether or not Phil Spector had any alcoholic beverages during the dinner? Did he drink? Yes, sir. How about you? Yes, sir. And after the dinner, what did you do next? Where'd you go? We went back to his house. In Pasadena? Pasadena. Do you have any sense about what time you arrived back in Pasadena after the dinner in Beverly Hills? I'm not sure what time we arrived. Could have been, what, 10 or 11 o'clock? Or midnight. It was late. Even as late as midnight? Yes, sir. Is that the first time you'd ever been to his Pasadena hotel, Phil Spector's house? His hotel. I'm, excuse me, thank you, Your Honor. His house. Yes, sir. And what happened when you arrived at the house? Just tell us what you did. We went in and um, he fixed us a drink and he started playing music and we were dancing and having a good time. So you told us at the dinner at Beverly Hills he was drinking there, correct? Yes, sir. And did he continue to drink at his home in Pasadena? Yes, sir. Did you? I, I had a drink, but I didn't drink it because I was um, tired and I, I didn't want to drink anymore. Well, you were tired. You were on New York time, correct? Yes, sir. Um, do you recall whether or not Phil Spector had just one drink or more than one drink, or do you know? I, I can't recall. Do you ever, do you remember whether or not he showed any effects from the consumption of alcohol that evening? Um, well, I, yes, I did. Explain that to us, please. What did you see? Well, he, um, he wasn't stumbling drunk, but he definitely was a little drunk. Slurring his words at all, or? Unsteady at times, what? Your Honor, I have nothing. I'm going to start general bleeding and suggest this thing. Even though it's said or what, I would tend to agree. Just in your own words, tell us what, if anything, you noticed that made you think he might have been under the influence. He was slurring his words some, and um, I guess that because I just know how much he'd had to drink. In an earlier answer, you said when you arrived at the home, not only did you each have something to drink, but you danced to some music. Is that correct? Right. Uh, how long? A half an hour, hour? Did you dance to the same music over and over, or different music? Tell us about it. Yeah, he was playing the same song over and over for a large part of the time. And, um, Is that a song that you recognized, or you liked, or what? I, no, sir, I didn't know the song. And, I didn't really like it because I, I listen to country for the most part. So at some point after the dancing and listening to music, uh, did you had enough? Yes, sir. Did you indicate that to Phil Spector in any way that, that you had enough, that you wanted to do something else? I did. I, w I was tired. It was after a couple of hours of being there. And um, it seems like it was around 2 o'clock in the morning. And I, I said... I'm tired, I want to go. And as soon as I said, I'm tired, I want to go, he turned and looked at me and he pointed his finger and he said, what? You want to go? And then, right then, I knew his whole demeanor had changed. And that kind of, to, you know, I was kind of taken back by that. But he, and then, you know, he said, wait. It's becoming a narrative. All right, you've answered the question. You may ask another question. Thank you. Um, you said it was, a, you thought it was about 2 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles, right? Right. But you left in New York, so this was really 5 a.m. to you? Mm -hmm. Is that yes? Yes, sir. 
In your last answer, you said after you indicated to Phil Spector that you wanted to go home, you wanted to leave, he pointed his finger at you and his demeanor changed. Is that right? Yes, sir. Now, you've been seeing him for a year, year and a half, correct? Right. Have you ever seen his demeanor change like that before? I have not. After he pointed his finger at you and said, you aren't leaving or whatever you told us, what happened next? Well, he walked out of the room, and then I sat down. It was a big chair. I sat down, and I was just waiting for him to come back. Why were you sitting there? Ready to go? I was ready to go. Did you have a handbag with you? I did. Where was it? Sitting on the same chair I was sitting in. Ready to go with you? Yes, sir. Did Phil Spector reappear after you sat down with your handbag in the chair? Was it, oh, By the way, was the chair near the front door? It was in... It was just in the room where we had been dancing. And as you sat down in the chair with your handbag near, did Phil Spector reappear? He did. And what happened then? He walked in with a gun. A gun? Yes, sir. Did you see anything else on him that you hadn't seen before? He was wearing a holster. Describe the holster for us. It was a shoulder holster. And the gun, what kind of gun was it? Do you know? Do you recall? Was it a long gun, a short gun? It was a handgun. A handgun. And what was he doing with the handgun when he reappeared in the room with the shoulder holster as you sat there in the chair? What happened? He walked right up to me and held the gun right to my face with just inches between my eyes and said, if you try to leave, I'm going to kill you. He, he said, if you try to leave, I'm going to kill you? Yes, sir. What was your reaction to this with a gun in your face just inches away? I was shocked. I just started crying. And I sat there. I was, I was going to move because I didn't want to give him any kind of indication that I was trying to leave. Were you, were you afraid? Yes, sir. Can you a lot, a little? Well, I was, I was afraid a lot because I, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to kill me if I tried to leave. He said that to you? Yes, sir. Now, did you know whether the gun was loaded or not? Well, I didn't want to test it. You didn't, you didn't want to take that chance, did no. you? Now, as you sat there in the chair with the gun pointed just inches from your, your face, what did Phil Specker say or do after he told you if you moved, he'd kill you? Well, he put the gun in the holster, and then he started tapping it, and then just walking back and forth, um, cursing and just t talking wild. And I, I can't even really tell you what he's saying because I was so upset that... Were you crying? Yes, sir. Is this very upsetting to you? Yes, sir. So much so that you don't really remember exactly what he was saying? Right. Do you remember if any, anything he said involved profanities, swear words directed to you? There were, yes. He was cursing a lot. And were you saying anything to him? I didn't say anything. Why? I was scared, and I was just crying so much, I, I didn't say anything. Now, in the year and a half that you've been seeing him, had you ever seen this before, this switch? Overruled. It's overruled. You may answer. You can answer that. Had you ever seen this kind of switch in his no, demeanor? Sir. I had not. Came as a big shock. Overruled. You may answer. How long? How long? Sorry, did, I didn't yeah, get it. Yes, I'm sir. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. On, on that note, we need. Uh, it's time for our recess, ladies and gentlemen. Keep in mind the admonition, and we'll be in recess for 15 minutes. You may step down if you wish. You're not to discuss your testimony with anyone except the attorney. Court court's in session. <clears throat> All right. All parties, jurors, alternates, and the witness are present as heretofore, and you may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Again, good afternoon.
Before we took the break, you were telling us how you came to Los Angeles to Pasadena at dinner with Bill Spector, um, went to his house, and at some point he's pointing a gun at your face telling you that if you try to leave, they'll kill you. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Then you told us about what happened after that. At some point, did you fall asleep? I did. Explain that. How did that happen? Well, I was just sitting in the chair crying hysterically, and then I closed my eyes kind of just thinking that it would, you know, just seem like it was a nightmare, and I fell asleep. Do you have any sense of what time that was? Sometime after two? I, I don't. At some point you woke up. I did. Um, Phil, Phill woke me up. It, it hasn't been answered. She's explaining how she woke up. If that was an objection that's overruled, you may proceed. Please tell me. Phil tapped me on the foot, and I opened my eyes. And the first thing that I noticed was he didn't have the gun and he didn't have the holster. Is um, that the first thing you looked for as you woke up? It was the first thing that I noticed. Yes, sir. Was that important? It was. Why? Well, because I was so freaked out the night before. I just, when I opened my eyes, wanted to see if he was still holding a gun on me. And was he? He was not. Were you in the same chair that you'd been in the night before when he was pointing the gun in your face? Yes, sir. Was it daylight outside or not? It was daylight. After he tapped your foot, you woke up, what happened next? He said, would you like to go get some breakfast? And I said, yes, I would. Were you hungry, or was there some other reason you wanted to go have breakfast? No, I wanted to go have breakfast so I could grab somebody to help me get away from him. You wanted to get out of there? I did. When he, he Phil Spector, tapped your foot and asked you if you wanted to go have breakfast, at that point, was there any mention about the night before with the shoulder holster and the gun in your face and the, I'm going to kill you? Any mention of that at all? There was no mention of it. Were you surprised by that? I was a little well, surprised. Overruled. Did you say anything about it? I didn't. Why? I was afraid to. And so, after uh, he tapped your foot, asked you to want to have breakfast, what happened then? Where'd you go? We went to a diner, and when we sat down, I was looking around to see who I might be able to grab. And he said, I suppose you want to go back to New York today. And I looked right at him, and I said, yes, I do. And is that what happened? It is. Uh, how did that happen? How'd you get the ticket? How'd you get to the airport? How'd you get home? I went back to the hotel. I packed my things. And he sent over a ticket. And a driver took me to the airport. So after, after breakfast, do you, or did you even have breakfast? I think we did. I don't think I ate anything, so I was still very upset. So how did you get back to the hotel from where you were uh, having breakfast? Phil took me back to the hotel. He drove? He did. Had you seen him drive before? I had not, because we spent our time in New York where he didn't have a car or anything. So after he asked you if you wanted to go home and you said yes, you went, he drove you to the hotel, you packed up, um, somebody brought you a ticket, a limo came, you went to LAX. Right. And went home to New York. I did. About how long did you spend all together in Los Angeles? About 19 hours. 
And you were planning on spending how much time? Four days. So you got home way early. I did. Um, at that time or some period of time afterwards, did you tell someone about this? I did. Uh, who did you tell? Overruled. You can answer. I told my family and I told some friends. Did you have a friend by the name of Fran? I did. And briefly, very briefly, describe that relationship, that friendship. Fran and I were friends, and he happened to be in Mermondo's one night when Phil was there. Relevancy grounds overruled. Please go on. So it was time for me to get off, and Phil was sitting at a table by himself, and then um, I asked Fran if he could take me home, and he did. When we got to his, to, into Fran's car, I told him what had happened to me, that Phil had held me at gunpoint. In Los Angeles, at his Pasadena home? Yes, sir. In what kind of detail, without going through it all over again, but what kind of detail did you tell Fran? Just a, a gun and he threatened me, or, or was it more than that? I'm sorry, offering two different parts. I'm sorry, just a second. I have any objections? I didn't need to interrupt this, I'm sorry. Actually, I think he interrupted you. Go ahead. What else? Oh. Objection on two grounds. Yes. One, relevancy, and two, <laughs> overruled. You may answer. I, I told him exactly what I told you today, what happened. Here in court, in front of the jury? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, let's go back to that. When you got back to New York, um, you resumed your job, the job that you'd taken four days off from, is that right? Right. And you told us earlier in your testimony before the break that the restaurant you worked at, forgive me, I forgot the name of it. Mermondo's? Yes, that's why, because I probably can't pronounce it. Right now. Okay. Um, was across the street from the Waldorf. Right. Did there come a time after you came back from Los Angeles from this, this situation you told us about with Phil Spector that you saw Phil Spector in the restaurant? Uh, how, what was that? How? After you came back from Los Angeles while working in your restaurant, did you see Phil Spector there? I did. How long after you'd come back from Los Angeles after this incident did you see Phil Spector in the <coughs> restaurant? It could have been the following month. And from that point on, was this a rare occurrence that you saw him in the restaurant or did it become more frequent? <coughs> it, was, it was frequent. Can you characterize that for us? How often did you see him in your restaurant? He would come in probably a couple of times a month. But I, I, I moved to, from New York to California. So. The, the latter part of the answer, I moved, will be stricken. The jury's admonished. The rest will remain. You may proceed. Just to follow up on that, at some point you moved from New York. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the time the period of time from when you returned from Los Angeles and the incident at Phil Spector's house until you moved from New York. Do you have that period of time in mind? Six months. During that six-month period of time, how often uh, did Phil Spector come into this restaurant that you were working at, which was across from the Waldorf? I'm not sure exactly how often. Did you see him there more or less than 10 times? <clears throat> more. Um, in that restaurant, were you the only waitress that worked in the bar area? I was. And so because of that, did you have to serve him? I did. 
Was that uncomfortable? It was. Describe that for us. How, how did he treat you? Did, was he kind and, and pleasant, or was he some other way? No, he was very kind. The objection. Uh, the objection is overruled. You may answer. He was very kind. He was kind to you? He was kind. Did he leave big tips? He did. Did he, did he do or say or act in any way that ever made you feel uncomfortable or threatened? When he was in Mermondo's? Yes, after the Pasadena incident. Only, not in Mermondo's, but only when he called me up. And um, to explain that for us. He called me and asked me to go out, and I said no, and then he started threatening me, saying that um, I've got machine guns, and I know where you live, and you know what I can do with these guns. And he, he made those calls to your home, to your apartment to in New York? Work. Yes, sir. After the Pasadena incident? Yes, sir. Did this happen just once or more than once? More than once. How many times? Well, one time that he actually talked to me, and then he left a message on my answering machine. So twice? Twice, at least. At least, or were there more? You're going to reading Overruled? I don't remember if there were more. But at least twice. At least twice. Once in person, you talked to him on the phone. Yes, sir. Right? And once a message. Right. And in each of those instances, when you talked to him in the message, was the information that Phil Spector imparted to you, what, what he said, basically the same? You may approach. You may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. So these two phone calls, one you, you spoke to him on the phone, the other message, basically the message is what you told us. I have machine guns and what? Do you know what I can do? I know where you live and you know what I can do with these. And, and did that frighten you? It did. And then after that, after the messages, did you see him in your restaurant across the street from the Waldorf? I may have seen him again in the restaurant. And is it about that same time that you talked with Fran and asked him to take you home? Right. It was about the same time. Um, How did, how did you get here? Did you meet him? Did somebody knock on your door of Brian Bennett? Is that how you first uh, met somebody from the district attorney's office? They, yes, sir, they came to my house in Wyoming. You didn't do anything to approach law enforcement or anyone else about this? No, sir. Okay. And they interviewed you and talked to you, and then eventually you got a subpoena, or either that or a request to come to court. Is that right? I was subpoenaed. Okay. And that's why you're here today? Yes, sir. I'm sure there are other places you'd rather be. Yes, sir. Okay. And I also need to ask you, back in um, 1989, uh, were you, uh, do you have your maiden name? What was that? Pelegi. Okay. In, um, on August 13th of 1989, were you uh, convicted of uh, embezzlement of bank frauds in district court in the Southern District of Georgia? Yes, sir. And that was on the date August 13th, 1989. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. I have nothing further at this time. Thank you, cross-examination. I think you can get started, and then if you need additional time, depending on where it goes, it's okay. There's one incident, Mr. Mr. Rosen, that we discussed at the bench. It shouldn't prevent you from proceeding with cross-examination. But if you if you do do not finish with the witness, and we're at 3:25 now, then we will have the witness come back tomorrow. 
Your Honor, I may be able to address this. Yes. I, I would direct, not to sound cryptic, I would direct counsel's attention okay. to Bates 4154 and 4155. It appears to address that issue. Okay. If we, if we want to take a moment, I'll be happy to show it to them. You have mine. Grosvenor, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yes, sir. The S is silent. Right. Okay. Mrs. It's Mrs. Grosvenor, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. I want to start, ma'am, where Mr. Dixon left off. As you sit here today, you are a convicted felon. That is true, isn't it? Yes. And um, you suffered this felony conviction in the United States District Court, federal court in Georgia, correct? I think so. Okay. Well, let's see if we can help you here. Um, Jen, could I please have the first? Can you blow it up, please? Your Honor, what would the court, I, I don't know where we are, I'm sorry, I've lost would be on, track. Um, Seven or eight? K. K, I'm sorry, K. not even in the right, right numbers. Okay, may that please be marked defendants K, Your Honor. There will be a couple more exhibits after that. Would you want to do K, K1, K2, K3? It's all part of the um, record. If it's all, if it's going to be a set of documents pertaining to the same thing, you can, yes. no, as long as Wendy's comfortable with it, that's fine. Okay. Wendy, are we good with? She's on a taking a call. All right. That's, we'll find out later. Go ahead. If you want to mark them now. I never want to get windy mad. Well, neither do I. Do you want to mark them now? Sure. Uh, why don't we do K1 with that? All right. And then you, we'll go from there. Is it okay? We're going to have a series of four documents. K1, K2, K3, K4. Is that all right with you? They're all pertaining to the same. Or would you prefer separate? I prefer separate letters, but that's fine. Separate? See? We were told, and real quickly. Okay. Okay. And then L... Your Honor, will be a, um, a two-page document entitled Information. M will be a seven-page document entitled Plea Agreement. And then N would be a three-page, four-page document which is known as a JNC in federal court, known as a judgment, including sentence under the Sentencing Reform Act. Well, this might be premature, but I, check. I think they're entitled to the abstract of judgment, but not all the underlying I, I, I documents. I tend to agree, and I'm not sure I want them marked and shown. They may not necessarily, unless you can convince me that they're otherwise relevant. May we approach them? You may. Ms. Grover, let me ask you this. You were convicted in... 1989, is that correct? Yes, sir. And you were convicted of a felony, correct? Yes, sir. And that felony that you were convicted of was Title 18 of the United States Code 656, which is otherwise known as embezzlement of bank funds, correct? Yes, sir. And you were convicted in federal court where? Augusta, Georgia. Okay. The Southern District of Georgia, correct? I don't know. All right. But anyway, your recollection is 
Georgia Federal District Court, correct? Yes, sir. I understand. Well, Your Honor, I'm going to need to approach again. All right. I'm going to need to. You may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Mrs. Grosvenor, I want to turn your attention to October 31st, 1988. On October 31st, 1988, you made an application to Continental Airlines to become a flight attendant, didn't you? I did. And in making that application, you were required to fill out a form, a lengthy form? Right. And you did fill out that form and you signed it, is that correct? I would assume I did. Okay. And when you signed it, you indicated that you were certifying the information contained in the application was true and complete and that there were no misrepresentations, falsifications, or omissions contained therein, correct? Okay. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. There were two questions in this application. Um, prior to this, you had worked at First Union National Bank, correct? Correct. Okay. And on one page of the application, there's a section entitled Employment History, correct? Correct. And there's a number of lines, and the last line reads, and this is in pre-printed form, reason for leaving, colon, and you wrote in, got hired with Continental Airlines. That is not true. That was not the reason why you left First Union National Bank, is it? Right. You were fired from there. You were yes, dismissed, sir. correct? Yes, sir. Because of the theft, correct? Yes, sir. There was a second part on the, well, with the court's permissions, I'd like to uh, publish it to the jury now. That's fine. Thank you. Jen? May I please have, uh, yes. Can you please blow up the top portion, please? Can you see that? Oh, yes, sir. Okay. And that's the section entitled Employment History, correct? Correct. Your handwriting appears throughout that portion of this application, correct? Correct. That's all your handwriting that we are seeing other than the pre-printed full part of the form, correct? Correct. And turning your attention to the bottom where it says reason for leaving, where it says in cursive writing, got hired with Continental Airlines, you wrote that, didn't you? I did. And you knew when you wrote it, it was a lie, correct? I did. Could I have uh, the next exhibit page, please? Which would be on pagination page 6500. <coughs> For the record, what, what exhibit is this? We haven't marked it yet. Oh, okay. K. Well, it depends. Now, K was a court record, and then we started to discuss L&M, and then there we came to the bench, and for the reasons stated, we're probably not getting into that material, but you can still mark it if you want a record of it. Just, you just have to describe I'd like, it. Yeah, I'd like to mark it as a record. How many exhibits do you want? There were four exhibits from that, which we are not going into at the moment. Well, K, so, K you, I I'll do whatever you want. K, I believe, was the record. It was the front page of the of the um, matter from Georgia. Okay. 
L, M, and N, if you have four, four total sets of documents, L, M, and N will be those documents. You can describe the others to Wendy, or you can describe it for the record now. If you're now looking for a new exhibit number, which would, this would be O. This will be O. So we're going to have three pages from this, Wendy. How do you prefer I do it? O, LMNOPQ, or O1, or 203? It's just defendants O, a three-page document. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Could you blow up the um, area where it says, have you ever? <clears throat> no, to the right. It says, have you ever? There you go. Could we have that? That's it. Thank you. Could you please blow that up? Okay. Mrs. Grover, do you see this portion of this page which says, have you ever? You see that? Oh, right there. Yes, can you make it a little bigger, Jen, please, so she can see it? I, I can see it. Oh, you, see it. you see that on the left side there's questions, and on the right side there's boxes under the headings yes and no, correct? Correct. You've checked all the no boxes, right? Right. Would you please read the last question? Get that any bigger, Jim? Can you see it? If not, I can read it to you. I think you can. There. All right, could you kindly read that? Been dismissed, suspend, suspended, or asked to resign from any job. And you checked the no box? Yes, sir. And that was an untruth and a lie, also, wasn't it? Yes, sir. And finally, I want to show you what's been marked as pagination page. 6502, please. The bottom third of the page, Jan, I need your assistance in publishing it to the jury in particular, if you can. That's pretty small writing. Can you see that from there, Mrs. Grover? I cannot. You cannot, okay. Can you, is there any way we can blow up that first paragraph, please? Can you read that? All right, let, let me read it to you and see if it Applicant statement. <laughs> Jackson, this has been asked and answered. He's not only asked. I'm going to allow it. Okay. Applicant statement. Read carefully before signing. I certify that the information contained in this application is true and complete, and that any misrepresentation, falsification, or omission herein shall be sufficient reason for dismissal from or refusal of employment. I authorize Continental Airlines, Inc., herein called the company, and that was in parens, to contact any previous employer, educational institution, or reference given by me, and I hereby authorize my previous employer and such designated references to release the same. Do you see that? Or did you hear that? I heard it. Okay, can you get the bottom of the page, please, Jennifer? All right. And at the bottom, there's a signature line and a date line. Do you see that? I can see that. You see your signature? I do. And you signed it and dated it after you read it, correct? Right. And you knew when you did that, you were providing false information to Continental Airlines, right? Right. 
<clears throat> you have referred to a sister, and you indicated that in May of 1991, you lived in New York City, is that right? Right. You moved to New York City from Georgia, correct? Correct. And the reason you moved there was because... That's irrelevant. Um, we can discuss, but I don't know that the reason she moved at this point is relevant at all, given what prior testimony, at this point the objection is sustained, we can revisit it at a later time if necessary. Okay, that's fine. You moved there with your sister Angela, didn't you? I did. Well, she moved with me. Okay. Well, at any rate, the two of you moved to New York from Georgia, right? Yes, sir. And you lived together in New York, didn't you? Yes, sir. And how long did you live together in New York? A year and a half. You shared the same residence, isn't that correct? Right. At that time, I understand now that you two are estranged. That's a fair statement, isn't it? It is. Okay. But at that time, you were very close, weren't you? Yes, sir. It would be fair to say, wouldn't Miss Grosvenor, that in fact you were best friends at that time? Yeah, you could say that. Okay. And she would confide in you, wouldn't she? She would. And you would confide in her, correct? Yes, sir. The two of you basically had no secrets from one another at that time, right? Uh, objection. <laughs> Sorry. Stereo. Yes. It depends. It depends whether there's going to be any statements that are introduced at a later time. I'll allow that question and we'll see where else we go. You may answer. Thank you. Overruled. You may answer. Do you have the question in mind or you need it read back? Read it back. Sure. Your Honor, with the court's permission. Would it be fair to say the two of you didn't have any secrets from each other at the time? Well, I can't say that. But you certainly shared confidences, correct? We did. And in fact, you spoke with Angela about going out with Phil Spector in New York, didn't you? I did. You spoke with her many times about it, correct? I did. You were very excited about it, weren't you? Excited about talking to her? About going, no, about going out with Phil Spector. I um, enjoyed going out with him. Yes. You told your sister that you were very excited about going out with him because he was, in your eyes, a celebrity, correct? I did not know he was a celebrity. You learned about who he was once you started to see him. Isn't that true? He told me who he was. I didn't ask you that. Here's the question. You learned about who he I'm not so sure that that is not responsive. I'm going to allow it to stand. You also learned from other sources who he was in the music industry, correct? No. Well, <clears throat> who was Amit Erdogan? The owner of Atlantic Records. You knew him when you were in New York, living there with your sister yes, Angela, sir. correct? You spoke with him about Phil Spector, didn't you? Jackson Bay is the time. When? Can you be more specific? Yes, we'll get there. This will be the, can this just be the foundational question then I'll All ask? Right. You spoke with Mr. Erdogan about Phil Spector. In fact, on more than one occasion. Isn't that true? That's true. And that was in the social settings during that period of time that you were living there, that year and a half, correct? Yes, sir. You spoke to him before you went out with Phil Spector. You spoke to him during the time that you went out with Phil Spector about him, correct? No, that's not correct. Not irrelevant. The, well, actually, that's right. The question was asked before the answer came in the second question. Sustain. You may break it down. Okay. Before you went out with Mr. Spector, you spoke with Amit Erdogan about Mr. Spector, correct? No. Okay. And you're absolutely sure that you never did that? Talked to Ahmed before I went out to Spitville? No, I did not. Okay. 
You spoke with him after you started going out with Mr. Spector, correct? Correct. About Mr. Spector, right? We talked about Phil some, yes. You wanted to know about Phil Spector, didn't you? And that's why you asked him about him. No, we our conversations about Phil wasn't about any of the records that he produced or who he worked with. <clears throat> Did you know the name Phil Spector before you first went out with him? No, sir. Once you started going out with him, you learned that he was a giant in the music industry, correct? Jackson, the role sustain. After you started going out with him, you learned that he had some celebrity status. Isn't that true? And that was one of the things that attracted you to him. Jackson assumes fact is not evidence with respect to this witness. Well, it's it's is it leading? Yes, but it's also cross examination. No, it was assumes facts not evidence. That she knew that he had celebrity status. That she can say no. I'm going to allow the form of the question and she can answer whatever is appropriate. You may proceed. You may answer. Could you repeat the question? Did you learn that Mr. Spector had celebrity status after you began dating him? Is that the question, Mr. Yes, sir. After I began dating him. Okay. And once you learned that, you didn't stop seeing him, did you? You continued to see him socially after you learned that from Mr. Ernigan. Yes, sir. I didn't learn that from Mr. Ernigan. Well, let me ask this. Once you learned that piece of information, you didn't stop seeing him. You continued to see him, correct? I did because I enjoyed going out with him. And also you enjoyed the perks, for example. The restaurants he took you to, correct? You enjoyed going to the restaurants? Yes, sir. You enjoyed the limousines, correct? Yes, sir. You enjoyed the fact that he paid for a ticket for you to come to California before this purported incident, correct? Yes, sir. Um, he sent you gifts, cards, things of that nature. He was very generous with you, wasn't he? He was. You liked that, didn't you? It was nice. You have another sister named Kathy, don't you? I do. Okay. Now, Kathy visited you and Angela when you would go to New York, but she didn't really live with you there. It was just Angela, correct? Correct. Okay. <clears throat> and... Excuse me. You have testified here today to an incident that occurred in California, correct? In May, and I think you indicated that occurred when? Going to Pasadena? Yes. I'm not sure exactly when it was. I just know that it was um, after I had eye surgery, which would have been in November of 92. Okay. And after that, you returned to New York, correct? Right. You were provided pardon me. You were provided a ticket. You were driven from the hotel to the airport. You got on the airplane and you flew back home to New York. Yes, sir. And at that time that was the home that you were residing at with Angela, right? Yes, sir. And when you got back home, you continued to live with Angela until you moved from New York back to Georgia. Isn't that right? I didn't move back to Georgia. Where did you move to after you left New York? To San Diego. Sustain. Okay. You moved somewhere else, correct? Right. All right. And were you and Angela still living together at that time? No, you had separated, right? Well, she got married. Correct. And how long did you 
and Angela lived together in New York after you returned from California before the two of you left New York. Checks and relevancy, Your Honor. Why is this important? The only possible relevancy would be things that we discussed on the bench about possible statements. If they don't come in, it's harmless. If they do come in, it gives some basis for, for when the conversations took place. So for the amount of time it's taking, the objections overrule. Thank you. Then you can answer the question. She moved back to Georgia after a year and a half of living with me, and then I lived by myself for another year and a half. I understand that. What I'm saying is how long do the two of you continue to live together once you return from California after your 19-hour stay out here? Was it a matter of six months, eight months, three months? How many more months did the two of you continue to live together? Maybe another month at that. Okay. And during that month, nothing had changed in your relationship with her. You were still good friends, right? Right. By the way, that eye surgery, that was to correct your vision, is that right? Yes, sir. Who paid for that? I paid for half, and Phil gave me a check for the other half. So that you could have the surgery, correct? Right. It was 1500 per eye, and he uh, paid for half of it. On that note, we have reached the... Witching hour. Well, quitting hour. We're done. Um, until tomorrow at 9.30. Ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind the admonition. The witness is instructed to report back tomorrow at 9.30 and not discuss your case with anyone except the attorneys involved in the case. Thank you. You may step down. Sir, before the jurors and alternates are not, did somebody wish to raise an issue? Your Honor, I just wanted to uh, ask the court from a timing perspective. The court asked yesterday about uh, um, Stephanie Jennings yes. and the tape. Uh, yes. What we'd propose to do, if it's okay with the court, is finish up to keep the continuity going with Ms. Grosvenor, uh, finish up with Ms. Grosvenor, and then take a break and outside the presence of the jury, make an offer of proof with regard to the tape and what I think I reviewed yesterday my notes about Ms. Jennings' testimony. I believe even outside the presence of the jury, I can make an offer of proof as to the foundation and the timing of the messages. Okay. Just that, do that after Ms. Grosvenor. That'll be fine. Okay. All right. Ready to proceed? Sure. That's fine. All right. Let's bring in the jurors. We're going to pick up. All right, the record will reflect the uh, presence of the jurors and the alternates. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for the slight delay this morning. We got the air conditioning working, but that killed one of the computers, so uh, <laughs> we can't have it all. All right, that in mind, are we ready to uh, proceed with cross-examination? Yes, sir. All right, the witness previously sworn and still under oath is again on the stand, and as soon as she is seated, you may resume your cross. Yesterday you testified in these proceedings for the very first time, is that correct? That's correct. But it was not the first time that you visited the story that you told yesterday, isn't that true? That's true. As a matter of fact, you were prepared by individuals to present your testimony, isn't that correct? Well, I told them the story. I don't know if you would say that I was prepared like we were rehearsing it, because we were not. I just told them exactly what happened. You went over it with them, correct? Exactly. Before you testified. Exactly. How many times do you think you met with somebody from the government? When I say that, either Mr. Dixon, Mr. Jackson, or law enforcement, to discuss your story? Four. So you reviewed this four, you had four different instances when you met with people, went over your story before you hit the witness stand yesterday. That's a fair statement, isn't it? That's fair, sorry. Now, as I understand it, you uh, spoke the very first time 
on October 11th, 2004, with Mr. Bennett and Mr. Daly, two Los Angeles County District Attorney investigators, right? Right. And they met with you face-to-face, vis-a-vis, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And you spoke with them for how long? I don't remember. Okay. And um, you discussed your story and the testimony you gave yesterday with them, correct? Correct. All right. Now, yesterday you testified to a couple of things. And I want to revisit that with you for a moment, if we may, please, Ms. Grosvenor. You indicated that there was an instant in time when Mr. Spector had a weapon and he pointed it at you. And you testified yesterday they put this gun, this handgun, in a holster. You remember that testimony? Right. You also testified yesterday that he was walking back and forth in front of you, correct? Correct. And you also went and testified that he was screaming and yelling at you, is that correct? Correct. You further testified about two phone calls, one where you actually spoke with him, one where you picked up a message off of your voicemail that retrieved the message on your telephone, correct? Correct. I think you indicated that you recall that one of the things that was said is, quote unquote, I know where you live, right? Right. Another thing that you recall is, you know what I can do, quote unquote, correct? Correct. Now, when you met with law enforcement, Mr. Daly, Mr. Bennett, before you started talking with them, they explained to you that they wanted you to be truthful with them, correct? Correct. And they told you they wanted you to tell them the entire story, everything you could remember, correct? Correct. And that was in 2004, a couple, couple, three years ago, right? Right. When you met with them, you never said anything to them about him putting a gun in a holster, did you? Never mentioned it to him, did you? First time it was mentioned was yesterday, correct? Can answer the question? Let me, that's, I'm sorry. Have you ever told anyone at the time you had that interview about the holster? Yes, I did. Okay. And you're positive of that, correct? Pretty sure that's what's happened. That's what happened. Are you positive of that? I'm pretty sure. Okay. When you met with Mr. Bennett and Mr. Daly, you did not tell them that Mr. Spector was walking back and forth in front of you with a weapon, did you? I think I did. Are you positive? I don't remember, but I think I did because that is what happened. When you met with Mr. Daly and Mr. Bennett, you did not tell him that he was screaming at you and yelling at you constantly, did you? I don't think I said that yesterday either. He was cursing and I can't repeat what he was saying because I was so upset. Okay. Yes, he was rambling on. That wasn't my question. My question was, are you positive that you told Mr. Daly and Mr. Bennett in your interview with them that he was screaming and yelling at you constantly? Objection B, constantly means the whole 19 hours, or? She can answer the question. The objection's over there. Thank you, Your Honor. You may answer, yes or no. Well, she doesn't have to answer yes or no either, but you can answer the question. Are you positive you told him that when you met with him in 2004? I would assume I did. To say I'm positive right now, I don't remember. I just knew it. No, I told him the truth. When you met with him in 2004, 
You did not tell them about any phone calls wherein you allege that Mr. Spector said, quote, I know where, you're li where you live, close quote, and quote, you know what I can do, close quote. Did you? You never mentioned that to them, did you? Jackson, Your Honor, may we approach? I you may. Proper. You may resume. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I don't think we got an answer to the question. Let me rephrase the question. Mrs. Grosvenor, when you met with Mr. Bennett and Mr. Daly in October of 2004, you did not say to them that Mr. Spector spoke the following words, quote, unquote, I know where you live, you know what I can do. You did not tell them that at that time. You spoke it for the first time yesterday in court, correct? No, that's not correct. As I understand from your testimony yesterday, you indicated that um, you came out in 1991 to California, stayed the 19 hours, and then returned to New York. Is that correct? It wasn't in 91. When was it? Late of 92 or early 93. Okay. Do you remember being invited by Mr. Spector to the Rolling Stones 25th anniversary in New York at the Four Seasons Hotel? I did. You went as a date, didn't you? I did. You remember what year that was? No. Do you recall that that was the year after this purported incident that you've testified to? No, it wasn't. You're sure of that? I am sure of that. Okay. After this incident that occurred, and when again did you say this occurred? Well, it was after my eye surgery, which would have been after November of 92. Okay. You, I think you testified that you did see Mr. Spector, is that correct? I saw him when he came into where I worked. I'm sorry? I saw him when he came into where I worked. So it is your testimony that you never dated him or went out with him I after that? I did not. That. You have to let me finish my question. We can't talk at the same time. It's very difficult for the reporter, okay? Is it your testimony that after that incident that you allege occurred, that you saw Mr. Spector, but only when he would come into the restaurant where you were working? Is that right? That's right. So it's your testimony that you never were involved with him romantically thereafter, correct? Correct. And you never told anyone that you were ever involved with him romantically at any time. It was a platonic relationship, correct? Jackson, Vegas, the time. Just said, it, said any time. Anytime. <coughs> you may answer. It was platonic because we never had intercourse. Wasn't my question. Well, what's your my question? My question is this. Is it your testimony based on yesterday when you described your relationship with Mr. Spector as being platonic that you have never told anybody, including your sisters, Angela and Kathy, that you had sex with Phil Spector? Is that your testimony? That is. How many times do you think you saw Mr. Spector after your trip to Los Angeles? I'm not sure. Can you estimate 10 times, 15 times, 5 times, 30 times? Probably 10 or so. And it's your testimony that every one of those were in the restaurant. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. 
And what is your testimony as to the last time that you saw Phil Spector at the restaurant? I don't know exactly when the last time was. I just know when I moved from New York. So you have no recollection today, is that correct? That's correct. If I showed you a copy of the raw notes that Mr. I don't know if it's Mr. Bennett or Mr. Daly's handwriting, I'm sorry. But if I show you a copy of the raw notes where there's a notation to that effect from their interview with you, do you think it would assist you in any way in refreshing your memories to when you told them the last time you saw Mr. Spector? Jeff, no foundation that you need your memory refreshed. Sustained, you may ask it in the appropriate fashion. Sure. If I showed you these notes, do you think it might refresh your memory? Same objection. Same ruling. She hasn't shown that she needs her memory refreshed. I think that's what you're missing. Well, maybe I'm missing something. Did you not test? Let me ask it this way. Do you recall the last time that you saw Mr. Spector in the restaurant? I don't. If I showed you notes, might it refresh your memory? If somebody, I think what counsel was asking is if you saw someone's notes of an interview with you, you would you would it might might it help you? recall the date or about the date of the last time you saw Mr. Spector in the restaurant? Would looking at someone else's report of an interview with you help you? Your Honor, it's not really a report, it's raw notes. Well, raw notes. I mean, if it has, if you see someone else's date on notes or, or their interpretation or their recollection of what you said, is that going to help you in any way? Sure. All right, you may approach. Actually, it is in the official report, so I'll bring that. All right. When that's brought up to you, just read it to yourself. Council may point out something to you and see if that assists you. If it doesn't, let us know. If it does, you can tell us that as well. May I, Your Honor? You may. Right. Mrs. Grover, I'm going to direct your attention to a two-page report dated October 20th of 2004. The last paragraph on page two, I'm going to ask you just to read it to yourself as the judges instruct you. Just the last sentence, just read it to yourself. Have you completed that? I did. Okay. Does that refresh your memory so that you can now tell us when it was the last time that you saw Mr. Spector? According to this interview report? It says June of 93. That's not what was asked. Sustained. The question is, having seen that, does that refresh your recollection? I realize there's a date contained there, but does it refresh your recollection? It, it really doesn't. Okay. That answers the question. The answer is stricken about June of 93. You may ask your next question. Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> you indicated that, uh, as I understand it, Mr. Spector moved from one hotel to the Waldorf Astoria at some point. Do you remember that testimony? Right. Do you recall which hotel he moved from? I don't. Do you recall whether or not it was the Ritz-Carlton? It may have been. Okay. And were you aware of the fact that Mr. Spector had had a long-standing relationship with the management at the Waldorf Astoria when he moved there? I was not aware of that. Did you know whether or not that he was a welcome guest there and that arrangements had been made long in advance for him to move Jackson there? If you don't, you don't. The, the objection is sustained. It's argumentative. Okay. Now, As I understand it, your testimony is, is that your relationship with Mr. Spector ended 
somewhere in 1992, 1993, is that correct? Correct. Okay. So it did not end in 1998, is that right? Right. And you never told anybody that you were dating him up until 1998, including your two sisters, Kathy and Angela, correct? That is correct. As I understand it, you got married in 1998, didn't you? I did. And that was to Mr. Grosvenor? Yes. Okay. In the end of, not the end, but towards the end, the fall of the year 2004, specifically October 11th of 2004, do you recall calling your sister Angela and talking to her on the phone? It sounds like it's foundational. I'm just, I, it if is. she's able to answer it at all, because I don't know that she can, but we'll have the witness answer. I don't remember that. Okay. Do you recall telling her on or about October 11th of 2004 that you had been interviewed by two Los Angeles District Attorney investigators regarding Phil Spector threatening you with a gun? I probably did. Do you remember telling your sister Angela that you were going to testify in this court and you were going to be on court TV? No, I never said that. Never said that, correct? Correct. Do you recall in a phone conversation with your sister Angela telling Angela the following, if you testify in the Phil Spector case against me, they're going to put you in jail. This, this improper impeachment is hearsay. There's no foundation what, for it. First of all, why don't you approach the bench and we'll see where you're trying to go. Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> okay. Mrs. Grosvenor, I was asking you the following question. Did you have a conversation, a phone conversation with your sister Angela where you made the following statement? Quote, you told them about the bank embezzlement and the plaque I stole from the judge's home. Did you make that statement to your sister Angela and or Kathy? Give us a time, sustain. Okay. It's either April or May of this year, I'm not sure. In April or May of this year, in a telephone conversation with Kathy and or Angela, did you make the following statement over the phone? Quote, you told them about the bank embezzlement and the plaque I stole from the judge's home, close quote. No, that's not what I said. I did can you, tell you what I said. I didn't ask you that. Did you mention... Objection. Did you make the answer to the question? No, you can ask that on redirect. That you, the, the answer is, that's not what I said, which is the appropriate answer. And if you want to go into it, you may. You may proceed. Thank you. In somewhat different language, did you tell in this conversation on the phone to either Kathy or Angela that they told them, referring to the defense team, about your bank embezzlement and the plaque that you stole from the judge's home? No. You did steal a plaque from a judge's home in no. Georgia, didn't you? No, I did not. 
You're absolutely sure you didn't do that? I am sure. Asked and it's, it's, we're done. You may proceed on to your next question. Did you ever say in April or May of this year to either your sister Angela or your sister Kathy, if you testify against me... Objection compound. Well, because I believe that there's a question of who this may have been said to. So with that understanding, Correct. one or the other, the Thank witness you. can answer that. Thank you, Your Honor. I repeat. In a phone conversation in April or early May of this year, did you tell either Angela and Kathy, or maybe both of them if they were on the phone, quote, if you testify against me, they're going to put you in jail, close quote. She wouldn't be testifying against me. I'm not on trial. And what I said I is that you're lying. My sister's a drug addict. I didn't and ask she's got a vendetta against me. I'm going to ask you a second, ma'am. Well, Hold on. The jury's admonished to disregard that. That's stricken. If you didn't make that statement, just tell, tell the attorney that. You may ask the question again. Thank you, Your Honor. In a phone conversation in April or May of the year 2007, did you make the statement to either Angela or Kathy, your two sisters, the following, quote, if you testify against me, they're going to put you in jail, close quote. Did you make that statement to them? I told her if she lied under oath, then she would go to jail. Did you make that statement to them? Not like that, no. Did you, in this same conversation, tell either Kathy or Angela, your two sisters, that... It can't be the same conversation. It's two different people we're talking about. Well, it's possible that both were on the line. It, it, Thank you. Ask the question a little more carefully. Okay. I think it's been made clear that there's some question about any possible statement as to who it was made to, being one, the other, or both of the sisters. So that'll be the understanding. You may proceed. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Okay, with that understanding, did you ever, in April or May of this year, in a phone conversation, state to either Angela and or Kathy, or both, quote, I don't want to testify, close quote. Did you make that statement? I did. On April 28th of this year, did you call Kathy's home and leave a blistering message threatening her? Objection. The term blistering sustained. Okay. Did you leave a message threatening her? No. Do you know what the Masters Golf Tournament is? I do. You've attended it, haven't you? Well, I grew up in Augusta, yes, I have. Okay. Well, you may have grown up there. Sorry. Um, in 2004, you were in Georgia, weren't you, for the Masters? Not for the Masters, but I was in Georgia visiting my family. And court's indulgence for just a quick moment, please. All right. You know Judge Carlisle, C-A-R-L-Y-L-E, and his... This has been asked and answered correctly. The objection is overruled. Do you know Judge Carlisle, C-A-R-L-Y-L-E, and his wife Shara, S-H-A-R-A, Overstreet, O-V-E-R-S-T-R-E-E-T, who own a home in the area? Do you know them? No, I don't. Have you ever been to their home? Not to my knowledge. In 2004, when was the Masters played? I'm not a golfer, so I don't know what time of year it is. First full week of April. Do you recall 
participating in any activities surrounding the golf tournament that occurred in the first week of April in 2004? Going out to dinner and seeing some friends that were in town for the Masters, yes. Do you recall going to a judge's house, a judge in Richmond County, Georgia? I don't know that judge, so I don't know if I was at his house or not. Okay. Do you recall going to a house, a house that had an office type room in it with a desk where there was a plaque five inches by eight inches sitting on an easel on the desk that said the following, attitude is everything? No. Is it your testimony that you did not take that plaque? Yes, sir. Is it your testimony that you have never admitted to anyone? Objection. This has been asked and answered at this point. That has been asked and answered. The objection is sustained. You don't know the Overstreet's judge? I do not. Objection. Asked and answered. Somebody asked this. The answer was no. It'll stand. Thank you. You're... What, what is your very best estimate or recollection as to when your relationship with Philip Spector finally ended? 92 or 93? Probably early 93. When you say early 93, we're talking January, February, that time period? Jan right, January, February, March. You described a purported alleged incident that occurred here in California. Let me ask you something. Mr. Spector never had you hold a weapon, did he? He did not. He never forced you to hold a weapon, did he? No, he didn't. He never asked you to hold a weapon along with him, correct? Correct. He never had you touch a weapon, did he? No, he didn't. He never instructed you to place a weapon into your mouth, did he? If he had, I would have, because I, I would have done anything he told no, me, I didn't ask pointing the gun at me. Move to strike, Your Honor. It's stricken, it's non-responsive. The jury's admonished. You may Thank you. I'll ask you the question again. He never asked you to take a gun and put it in your mouth, did he? No, he didn't. And he never put a gun in your mouth, did he? No, he didn't. This weapon that you allege he had that day, you don't even know if it was loaded, do you? I'm not asking what you assume. You don't know if it was loaded. You never inspected the weapon, did you? No, I didn't. And finally, the weapon, of course, was never discharged that day, was it? I wouldn't be sitting here if it was. It was never discharged, was it? I'm sitting here. I think you've answered the question. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Redirect. Thank you, Your Honor. You weren't going to take a chance on whether it was loaded or not, were you? No, I wasn't. And if Mr. Spector had asked you to open your mouth uh, on the gun, would you have done that when he was pointing what you thought was a loaded gun at you? Yes, I would have. You were, you were scared to death, isn't that fair? I was very scared. Now, Mr. Rosen asked you a number of times, when did this relationship end? Do you recall that? I did. 
Did it end when you pointed the gun in your face? That's exactly when it ended. And in fact, within hours, you went back to New York, correct? Yes, sir. That was the only thing on your mind, is to get away from him and get back to New York, to your home. That's right. He also uh, asked you if you told somebody in the past that you didn't want to come testify. Isn't that right? That's right. Because that was a true statement. That's true. You didn't volunteer to come here and testify. No, I didn't. It was because those DA investigators knocked on your door and talked to you, and right? Objection, Your Honor. Overruled. Is that correct? That's correct. And then you got a subpoena. That's right. You didn't want to have to face this. I did not. Uh, you were asked a number of questions about Angela. Who is Angela? One of my sisters. Um. What's your relationship with her? Now, I'm sorry. The question is, what is your relationship with her now? I believe you had it. Now was the yes, last word. Yes. Right. We uh, we don't have a relationship now because she's she's a drug addict that I've tried You're to help. To this. The question was, we don't have a relationship now. Right now, that will be the answer. The rest is stricken. The jury is admonished. Why don't you have a relationship now? Objection, I'm going to allow it. You can answer. Well, because she's a drug addict, and I've tried to help her, put her in rehab, she wouldn't stay in rehab, and I've stopped giving her money, so she is mad at me for that, and I, bl I think she's getting money now from Spectre, and that's why she's doing this against me. But at least from what you know, she has repeatedly asked you for money, and you... And I've cut you her off. And she's angry about that? Well, yes, sir. Angry about that. I think I think the witness is capable of offering an opinion on that. That's an objection. It's over. And she's expressed that anger to you. She has. Okay. Um, lastly, Mr. Rosen asked you a number of questions about what you did or did not say to Brian Bennett and the other DA investigator. Um, based on, let me withdraw that and ask you this: Do you have a clear recollection? of that morning in Phil Spector's home after you said, I want to go home, and he pointed the gun in your face? I do. A vivid recollection? I do have a very vivid recollection. Was he yelling at you? He was. Profanities? Your Honor, objection. He's been asked to answer. <clears throat> no, but however you went into it in your cross, and the okay. district attorney is allowed to go back into it and redirect. You may proceed. It's overruled. Do you have any doubt that he was pointing a gun just inches from your head, yelling profanities at you and telling you if you moved, he would kill you? Is there any doubt about that in your mind? There's no doubt. And that you were sobbing and crying and very upset? That's correct. And then he had a shoulder holster with him and eventually put the gun in the holster and tapped on it and continued to yell at you. That's correct. No doubt that that happened. There's no doubt. And that's when your relationship ended. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. Nothing true. Thank you. We cross. Thank you. Mr. Dixon just asked you some questions about the fact you're here because you're subpoenaed to be here, correct? Correct. And um, 
we've pretty much fixed the date that your first conversation with law enforcement was with Mr. Daly and Mr. Bennett to Los Angeles County District Attorney investigators that occurred in October of 2004, correct? Correct. This incident occurred in 92, is that right? End of 92 or early 93. So from the end of 1992 or the beginning of 1993 right. till October of 2004, over a decade, over 10 years, you never spoke to anybody in law enforcement about this, did you? No, I didn't. You indicated that uh, you've distanced yourself from your sister Angela because she's a drug addict, correct? Correct. Well, you've used cocaine with her in the past, haven't you? No, I have not. It, I'm sorry. Nothing. All right. It is your testimony that you've never used cocaine with Angela or Kathy? I said did. Angela or Kathy. If you're changing the question, the question is have you ever used cocaine with Kathy? No. And you're not now and never have been a drug addict, particularly irrelevant. Sustained. Thank you. Nothing further. Thank you. Redirect. Thank you. Nothing further, Your Honor. Subject to recall, you're excused. You're admonished not to discuss your testimony with anyone except counsel present in the courtroom or their representatives. Do you, you may step down and thank you for being here. Do you have another witness? Your Honor, at this time, um, this may be a good time to address the, the matter that I brought up to the court outside the presence of the jury. All right. You want to take a read? I want the jurors to go back in the jury room? Uh, well, that's up to you. <laughs> well, I'd prefer that. <laughs> Not that I don't want to see them. Um, ladies and gentlemen, keeping in mind the admonition. I, I get you ready. Next week is Juror Appreciation Week. Get, you know, get excited. Let the excitement begin. And uh, with uh, that in mind, if you would step back in the jury room, we'll call you as soon as we're ready. E-L-A-P-I-L-E-G-G-I. S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. Thank you. You may proceed. May I just call you Ms. Pelleggi because that's how yes. I know you? Yes. I can't remember the other name. Thank you. Good morning, Ms. Pelleggi, and thank you so much for being with us today and joining us. You've come a long way, haven't you? Yes, I have. And where have you come from? From Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Thank you. I want to uh, ask you a question. Do you uh, know and have a relationship with a lady named Melissa Grosvenor? Yes, I do. And what is your relationship with Melissa Grosvenor? She's my sister. Okay. Was she a Pelleggi at one time and now yes. Grosvenor? Pardon, oh. yes. Okay. Um, let me just kind of instruct you on something if I may. It's okay. You haven't done anything wrong. Okay. It's, it's a little different here in the courtroom. We have rules that we need to sort of follow. It's very important, and I'm going to steal from Mr. Jackson his words, that I not step on your words and you not step on my words. In other words, when I'm talking, let me completely finish my question, and when you're answering, I will let you completely finish your answer, because otherwise it becomes very, very difficult for Cindy to get that down. We call it a reporter's nightmare. Okay? Okay. Now, <clears throat> okay, Melissa is your sister, is that correct? Correct. Okay, and Grosvenor is her married name? Yes. So she is your full sister? Yes. Could you pull the microphone up close to you? Just use it like a telephone. Bring it closer up. Closer? So we, yeah, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid? No. Okay. Do not be afraid, as they would say. Okay. okay. I want to turn your attention, if I may, to the year of 2005. 
Um, at that time, did you find yourself in the uh, state of Georgia? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have ties to Georgia? Yes. What are those? I was born and raised in Georgia. Okay. And was Melissa also born and raised in Georgia? Yes. Do you have another sister named Kathy? Yes. Okay. And her name is spelled C-A-T-H-I, is that correct? Right. Okay. And was Kathy also raised in the Georgia area? Yes. Okay. And where were you raised? In what part of Georgia? Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, Augusta, Georgia is a pretty famous place at, during one week of every year, isn't that true? Yes, it is. And why don't you turn to the jury and explain to them why it becomes famous one week out of the year for those of us that don't chase little white balls around golf courses. Augusta is the home of the Masters Golf Tournament, and they play it in April every year. So. And is that kind of a big to-do, a big deal down there? Oh, yes, definitely. Why, why don't you tell us what goes on in Augusta during that week when they have that tournament? Everyone that is in golf comes, and I mean, lots of people that love golf. I mean, it's the place to be. It's the golf tournament of the year. It's Masters in Augusta, Georgia. So, and do parties and everything. Parties and everything. Parties and you know, everyone having a great time, going out to eat, everything. Yeah. And do a lot of people come from not only the United States but all over the world who are interested in golf to this tournament? Oh yes, definitely. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to turn your attention to approximately 2005, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you said this occurs usually in the month of April? Yes. Okay. Were you in Augusta at that time? Oh, yes. Were you there during the festivities for the Masters Golf Tournament? Oh, yes, I was. Okay. Were any of your sisters there with you also? Yes. Um, in particular, was Melissa there with you? Yes, she was. Okay. Did Melissa and you attend uh, several parties? Yes, we did. Okay. Did you attend a particular party at a judge's house? Yes. Okay. Tell us, if you would for a moment, uh, how you and Melissa got to that party. Friends of Melissa's had come into town and they had invited us to uh, several parties. And one, one night and um, the following night, and both were at two different judges' homes. Okay. Do people rent out their homes during the golf tournament? Is that a common thing that happens? Oh, yes. Lots of people do. Okay. Was that the situation here as far as you knew? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this, just the second party that you went to at the judge's home. Did you, Melissa, attend that party? Yes, we did. And were you all dressed up? Oh, yes. Okay. Were there other people there? Oh, lots of people. Mm -hmm. Did there come a time after you and Melissa arrived at the judge's home at, for this party where you and she did something? We walked around the home. Okay. Well, why'd you walk around the home? It was a beautiful home. And you wanted to see it? Yes, wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. Was it a, what I, I'll use the term, was it a palatial home? Yes. It's big? Big, yes. And was it decorated nicely? Oh, it was beautifully decorated. Okay. Definitely. And in terms of walking around, was it for the purpose of just seeing the decorations in the home itself? Yes. Did something happen when you, let me finish, mm -hmm. did something happen when you and Melissa took this walk around the house to see how it was decorated? Yes. Why don't you tell the jury what happened? My sister um, picked up a plaque that was sitting on a desk and she put it in her purse. And yes. 
Where was this desk and this plaque? It was in what appeared to be an office. And do you remember what that office looked like generally? It was beautiful. It had um, one chair that had antlers that actually made up the, the, what the, the cushion of the chair was sitting on. It was beautiful. You say she picked up a plaque and put it in her purse. Where was the plaque when she picked it up? It was sitting on the desk. Can you describe the plaque? Uh, yes, it was about this big, and it said. Wait, I have to describe it. Indicating around about five, six inches high, and maybe seven, eight, nine inches wide. Okay. I mean, that's that's approximate. Sure. Okay. All right. So, 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 it was, so that was the size of it, correct? Correct. All right. And tell us what it looked like, please. It was white with black um, lettering. Did you see the black lettering? Yes. And what did the black lettering say? Attitude is everything. And what did you see Melissa do with that plaque? She put it in her purse. Did it belong to her? No. Whom did it belong to, if you know? I'm assuming the people that live there. Did you and she then leave the office? Yes. Did she have the plaque in her purse? Yes. Did eventually the two of you leave the park? After a couple of hours, we did. Okay. Uh, did you know her to return the plaque? No. After you left the party, where'd you go? Our sister Becky's home. Okay. That's another sister? Yes. Okay. And did she live in the Augusta area? Yes, she does. Okay. And when you got to Becky's home after the party, did you see the plaque again? Yes. Would you tell the jury what happened and what you saw? When we got back to my sister Becky's home, and of course, um, Melissa said where we had gone to, what home we had been. And Becky, my sister, looks at Melissa and said, so what did you steal? And Melissa pulls the plaque out of her purse and proudly displays it to my sister Becky, our sister Becky. Okay. I want to turn your attention to another time. Do you recall being here in Los Angeles around May 1st of this year? Yes. Okay. And uh, you came out here to be interviewed by Ms. Tyndall, and I actually met you that time. Is that yes, right? Yes, you did. We met for the very first time, right? Yes. And I spent a little time chatting with you. Is that right? Yes, it is. During the time that you were here, oh, and by the way, in May of this year, were you here by yourself, or did was there some other family member that was here also with you? My sister Kathy also came. Okay. And... Were you and Kathy staying at the same hotel? Yes. And was that a hotel in downtown here in Los Angeles? Yes. Okay. And Miss Tyndall, did you get an opportunity to meet her face to face? Yes. You had spoken to her on the phone previously, but had not met her, correct? Correct. All right. And you knew that Miss Tyndall was the lead defense investigator for the defense team in this case, is that right? Yes, I knew. Okay. And uh, did something happen in the presence of Miss Tyndall? your sister Kathy, and yourself while at the room at the hotel? Yes. Okay. And uh, did it involve your sister Melissa? Yes, it did. Did it involve a phone call? Yes, it did. Would you share with us, please, what happened? A phone call to my sister Melissa, and it's... <laughs> Why had called her and she, beginning of the conversation, she said, why did I tell them about the embezzlement and why did I tell 
that she had stolen the plaque from the judge's home. They never would have known, is what she said. She was scolding me. Okay. And how were you able to hear that? It was on speakerphone, on Tawny's phone. Tawny was present, so was my sister Kathy. When those words were spoken? When those words were spoken, okay. yes. Directing your attention again to approximately sometime in um, the middle, well, the beginning to the middle of 05, okay? So I, I can't do any better than that, but somewhere in the beginning to the middle of the year 2005. Mm -hmm. Do you recall having a conversation with Melissa about this case? Yes. And did Melissa say something to you about she possibly being a witness in this case? Oh, yes. And just tell the jury what she said. She was bragging about um, going to be on court TV and being on the Phil Spector trial. Okay. And was that a conversation, Ms. Pelleggi, face-to-face, or was that a conversation that took place over the telephone? Over the telephone. Okay. And you remember that? Oh, yes. I remember. Okay. I just have one last question that I want to ask you, a couple last questions I want to ask you. Today, you and your sister are not friendly, is that correct? Um, sister... Melissa. Melissa, right. Okay, you, there's been a split in your relationship, correct? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> just one final last question. I want you to turn your attention to Mr. Spector, who's seated at a council table. Have you ever met this man? Oh, yes. Okay. Has he ever given you so much as a nickel? for coming here to testify? No. And do you expect or anticipate that Mr. Spector is going to give you anything of any kind of remuneration for you coming here to testify today? No. You've been subpoenaed to be here, is that correct? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you Your Honor. Um, Ms. Pelleggi, uh, you don't like your sister very much, do you? Which sister would that be? Uh, that would be Melissa. Okay. We don't get along. Yeah. Uh, you don't like her very much. That's kind of part and parcel of not getting along, correct? Not really. I love her. But I didn't ask you if you love her. Well, you said I don't like her, well, but that's not true. I love her. We don't get along. Okay. Um, you can love someone and not, not, like not necessarily like them and want to spend time with them, correct? I suppose. Okay. And, and beyond just supposing, I'm asking you straight out, you don't like her as a person very much. I mean, y'all don't get along, do you? We don't get along. Good answer. Go ahead. We, we don't get along. Okay. Um, now, you were aware of Melissa being interviewed by the authorities in this case all the way back in, in 2004. Yes. Okay. And you were aware, according to you, um, that uh, Melissa was probably going to be involved in the Spectre case somehow or another all the way back to October of 2004 when she was interviewed by the authorities, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, you were interviewed by, I think, Ms. Tyndall, and you indicated in 2006 during that interview that it was about a year and a half ago that you became aware of Melissa's involvement in this case, correct? I was not interviewed by Mrs. Tindall in 2006. You're right. It was uh, a guy named uh, Galey. Galey. Is that correct? An investigator named Galey? Dale Kelly. There you go. Dale Kelly. There's several yes. investigators in this case, so thanks for helping me out with that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, it was Mr. Dale Kelly and another investigator that was actually from Georgia, correct? 
That, who was from Georgia? The second investigator that was there with Mr. Kelly. I don't know where he came from. I know where he was when he interviewed me. Well, did he have South an accent? Carolina. Did he have an accent? Do you have an accent? You sound like he's from the South? Not to me, but I'm from the South, so everyone's house the same. <laughs> um, all right, so his accent didn't stick out in your mind? Not in my mind. There were two people that came and interviewed you, correct? Correct. And during the course of that interview uh, with Mr. Kelly, you indicated that you had been aware for about, at that time, a year, year and a half, about Melissa's involvement, correct? Right. All right. And um, it was your impression, as a matter of fact, that uh, Melissa was not being honest. I knew for a fact she was not being honest. Okay, you thought she was a liar. I knew she was lying. All right. Um, you and based on the fact that you knew she was lying, you obviously told the uh, the defense investigator when uh, you were finally interviewed by the defense. Correct. I answered the questions that they asked me. Right. And right. Correctly. And and honestly. You, and you indicated that you believed that uh, in fact Melissa was not telling the truth. That she was. Making it up that she was just a liar, correct? Yes. All right. Um, between October of 2004, and by the way, you knew Mr. Spector. You just smiled very broadly at him when you saw him, correct? Absolutely. You He's a some, wonderful man. You I, have some I affection. Him. You have some affection for him, correct? Yeah. As a matter of fact, to use yes. your words, you adore him. I do. Absolutely. I do. You did then, and you still do. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, you knew that he was facing murder charges back in October of 2004, did you not? Um, yes. Okay. As a matter of fact, you knew that uh, somebody had been killed in his house and that he had been arrested and that he had been indicted and he was facing the charge of murder here in California. You knew all that back in October 2004. Right. And you also knew that your sister at that time in October 2004 was involved in the case and uh, might potentially be a witness in the case talking about a prior incident, correct? Right. You knew all that. Um, uh, let me ask you this, Ms. Pelleggi. It's Pelleggi with a hard G. Yes. Yes. I need yes. an answer. I said yes. Okay. Um, Darryl, at what point did you call the DA's office to let them know that your sister was lying? I never called the DA's office. At what point did you call the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to let them know that during the course of this murder that they had a liar on their hands, Miss, uh, Melissa, Miss, uh, Melissa Grosvenor? When did you call the Sheriff's Department and let them know that? I never called the Sheriff's Office. Well, maybe you didn't realize that it was a Sheriff's case. Maybe you called the LAPD. When did you call them? I never called them. I never called. You never called who? Anyone that you're asking me. You never called the LA. I apologize. Ask your question. You never called anyone in a position of authority, the DA's office, the sheriff's department, a police agency, to let them know my sister's lying, did you? No. Yeah. Um, you didn't call in October of 2004, I'm assuming? No, I didn't call. That was the month I was asking you about. You didn't call in November of 2004? No. December? No. All the way through the end of 2004, you never called? No. How about 2005? Did you call anybody in any month during the 12 months of 2005 to let the authorities know, my sister is lying, she's a liar? No, I didn't. Going into 2006, January of 2006, you didn't make any phone calls, did you? No. February of 2006, you didn't make any phone calls to anybody in a position of authority, correct? Right. But you knew Mr. Spector this whole time, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Is that yes? Oh, yes. Okay. And you adored him back then. Right. You felt like uh, he may be being wrongly accused, correct? And your sister may be part of it. Is that right? Uh, right. Excuse me. I'm going to inject that. That's a compound question the way it's phrased. 
re break it down into two parts. This I thing. apologize. You felt like you're, you knew at that point, as a matter of fact, dating all the way back to October of 2004, that your sister was involved in a case in which Mr. Spector was being charged with murder and you know him and you adore him, correct? Right. All right. Um, in February of 2006, you actually did reach out and, and try to contact Mr. Spector, didn't you? Yes. All right. And in February of 2006, you didn't call him, Ms. Pelegi, to tell him, hey, look, my sister's involved in this case and she's not being honest. You called Mr. Spector to ask for concert tickets and a backstage pass for you and your boyfriend, Butch Jones, to a Rolling Stones concert. Isn't that correct? No, but you're close. That's not correct. You reached out and asked him for concert tickets. Did you not? No, I did not. What did you call him for? <laughs> for backstage passes. The concert tickets I had already had. I see. So you asked him for backstage passes. Did I get the, at least did I get the concert right, Ms. Pelegi? Was it the Stones? You had the concert right. Did I get the boyfriend right? Was it Butch Jones? Yes. All right. You're good. Well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. This is an insult to him. You actually, uh, Ms. Pelegi, you actually called Mr. Spector, knowing that he was charged with murder, knowing at that time that your sister was involved in the case, and you called him not to tell him that your sister was a liar. You called to ask him for a favor, correct? Well, first of all, he... That's a yes or no question. Excuse me, Aaron. He's spending off the lid. She's beginning your age. Well, it may or may not be a yes or no question, so you can go ahead and answer. Mr. Spector knows that she's lying, that it never happened, so I don't actually, think I had to tell him that. Actually, Ms. Pelagy, you don't know what Mr. Spector knows. First of all, don't. He keeps over talking. Just wait one minute. Mr. Rosen, watch your tone of voice. Yes, sir. Mr. Jackson, you are over talking. We need to let everybody get their answer in. If there's an objection, object. But we're not going to have this cacophony of sound, and we're not going to make it impossible for the reporter and the jurors. Very well, you All right, start again. Thank you. Thank you. You knew that Mr. Check, Mr. Spector was being charged with crime. Right. You knew that your sister was involved, correct? Right. Yet when you called him, you called him for backstage passes. You didn't call him to let him know that anything was amiss in his trial, correct? First of all, I did not know Melissa was definitely going to be up on the witness stand. I see. And Mr. Spector, since he and Melissa we're friends also. He knew that what she was saying was not true. Objection, so I did not have objection to tell. Objection speculation. The, well, this the witness is, doesn't know what Mr. Spector knows. Excuse me. This is her state of mind as to why she didn't ask certain questions or say certain things. So Very well. You may answer. So why would I have to tell him something that he already knew was not true? I see. So since you assumed that they were friends, you assumed that he knew everything that was going on in Melissa's life and what her potential testimony was going to be, why tell him that my sister's lying about her testimony or potential testimony, correct? That's your testimony. Well, because Mr. Spector knows that it was not true, so why would I have to tell him something that he already knew? I see. And you had had a conversation with him about this, correct? <laughs> No, did I did not. Yeah. All right. And in February of 2006. Thank you. May I Yes, sir. All right. In February of 2006, when you, uh, just to kind of bring us back to the foundation that we're talking about, when you contacted Mr. Spector, it was not uh, to talk about the case in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It was not to talk about Melissa, correct? Correct. You called him for some backstage passes, correct? Correct. So you were asking Mr. Spector for a favor at that time. 
Well, since I met Keith Richards when I was with Mr. Spector for a um, Hall of Fame party, I knew he knew Keith, so I was going to ask him, but I never spoke to him on the phone. You knew that Mr. Spector was powerful in the industry? I knew he knew um, Keith Richards because that's how I met Keith Richards, was with, with Mr. Spector. Ms. Pileggi, you knew that Mr. Spector was powerful in the music industry, correct? Yes, I know, I know what, yes. You knew that he was a wealthy man? <laughs> Yes, I, I, yes. And you were calling to ask for a favor, correct? From a friend. How many other favors have you asked from Mr. Spector since then? None. Now, something else was happening in February of 2006, aside from the Rolling Stones concert, correct? You were uh, actually your, your ex-husband, I think, Louis Silverstein, yes? Yes. Your ex-husband had filed a petition for contempt regarding the custody of your children, Samuel and Bernard, the twins. Right. That custody, I'm sorry, that petition for contempt uh, was basically to get full custody of the kids and to um, take away your visitation rights. Is that right? I'm going to interpose an objection to this question. If it's, uh, uh, depends. Are you going to tie this into Melissa Grove? Absolutely. All right, the objection's over. And so I don't have to interrupt you. I have a running objection to this area. You may. Thank you on foundational grounds and on relevancy grounds and materiality grounds. All right, thank you. You may proceed. Thank you. You were undergoing a very heated custody battle with Louis Silverstein concerning the custody of your children. Is that right? Right. You and Louis Silverstein did not see eye to eye on how to raise the kids. Uh, you two had been separated and he was seeking full custody and you were fighting him on that, correct? Well, objection is a compound question. I, I think we can, I can break it down, but is that true? Or, yes. All right. And isn't it true, Ms. Pileggi, that shortly thereafter, Melissa, specifically Ms. Grosvenor, mm -hmm. took the side of Louis Silverstein in that custody battle, did not take your side. Isn't that right? Yes. That angered you to no end, as it would any sister, correct? It upset me. You absolutely. It, it absolutely upset. Maybe another word for anger, correct? Did it upset me? Yes, it did. It upsets you greatly. I mean, we're talking about your twins, your boys. Yes. And she took his side, not your side. Yes. And blood is thicker than water in normal circumstances. She should have taken your side, shouldn't she? Well, objection. That form of that question calls. Asking her if that's what she believed. In your, in your mind. Sure. She told you, Melissa specifically told you, that she was concerned for the welfare of, Sam, welfare of Samuel and Bernard, and she could not take your side because she was concerned about your prior drug use and drug habits. Your Is that correct? I'm going to object. He's going to ask to come to the bench. Come to the bench. This following testimony concerning uh, possible uh, drug usage is limited solely to the purpose of showing a basis for the rift between the sisters and how it might have affected future events or events that took place after that time, and solely for that purpose only. You may proceed. Thank you. Did Melissa indicate to you that she was concerned for the welfare of the children, Samuel and Bernard, based on your history of drug use? Overrule. No. Isn't it true that within weeks of this chasm, this rift between yourself and Melissa, that's when you first went to the defense and were interviewed, as a matter of fact, in April of 2006. And that was the first time that you ever spoke to the defense investigators about this case. I, first of all, I didn't go to the defense. They came to me. And in April of 2006, that was the first time that you ever indicated that Melissa was being untruthful, uh, the information about the plaque, things of that nature, correct? 
Correct. You indicated that you believed that, uh, I believe this was a question by Mr. Rosen specifically, that Ms. Uh, Grosvenor's motive uh, in this case was, one of the motives was that she was bragging about wanting to be on court TV. She just wants to be on TV, correct? Correct. Are you aware that Ms. Grosvenor never contacted the authorities in this case? Indeed, the authorities found her through a third person that said you might want to talk to this lady. Were you aware of that? I am, no. Were you aware that Ms. Grosvenor spent money on a lawyer or a set of lawyers and filed with this court specific moving papers requesting, begging the court that she not be on TV? Overruled. That she not be televised on TV, and it was this court's determination that she would, in fact, be on TV. Were you aware of that? No, not, especially not since the conversation I had with her. Thank no. you. That's all I have. Thank you. Redirect. Yes, please, Your Honor. Ms. Pelleggi, as I understand it, you spoke to our investigators, when was it, in 2005 about? Yes. Okay, well before 2006 when you called. It was, it was in, in 2000, um, was it 2006 somewhere? Okay. No. Mm -hmm. Was that well before you called Mr. Spector? Um, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Well before you called him. Oh, absolutely. Let me ask you something. Did you speak with him? No, I never spoke to Philip. I still have not spoken to Philip. Okay. Did you speak with Philip when you were out here in May? No, I didn't. Have you spoken with him today since you've been here at the courthouse? I smiled at him, but I still haven't really said hello to him. Hello, Philip. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you something. Mr. Dixon, excuse me, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Dixon was just sitting there minding his own business. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mr. Dixon. He just can't win sometimes. He's so stipulated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's start over. Mr. Jackson was asking you some questions about some concert tickets. You recall that? Yes. Okay. Let's just take it slow. Some concert tickets and some backstage passes, correct? Correct. And you mentioned a name, Keith Richards, correct? Correct. All right, just, I know this is probably going to be the stupidest question to ask in this entire trial, but would you tell us who Keith Richards was or is? He's a member of the Rolling Stones. Okay. A rock band, correct? A rock band, right. All right. And I think you indicated that you knew that Mr. Spector knew Keith Richards, correct? Right. Through Mr. Spector's musical accomplishments, correct? Well, because I had met Keith Richards um, oh. when I was a guest of, of Phillips at a, at a um, uh, Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction okay. at the Waldorf. All right. Okay, at, this, at this point, Mr. Uh, Rosen, we're going to break. I'm going to order you back at 1.30, ma'am. There may be another witness who we will take uh, out of order, uh, and then you'll testify after that, but I'll order you back for 1.30. Ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind the admonition, 1.30 this afternoon. Thank you. All right, all parties, the jurors, and the alternates are present. It's here to four. I understand that the parties have discussed this matter, and you're going to finish with the witness um, that's presently on the stand, and then we'll go to the next witness. That's mine. All right. Go ahead. All right, ma'am, if you'll take the stand again, please. <clears throat> Just go ahead and pull that microphone again close to you, and you may proceed. 
Thank you, Your Honor. Welcome back, Ms. Bledgley, and uh, thanks for returning. When we broke at the noon recess, as I recall, you and I were discussing the fact that you had reached out to Phil Spector in February of 06, is that correct? Yes. All right, I want to finish that subject, and then I want to return to something. I think I made a mistake this morning, and I want to clear it up. Okay. Okay? It wasn't you, it was me. Um, and as I understand it, you made a phone call to Mr. Spector, is that correct? Yes. And you were asking for something, correct? Yes. What was it you were asking for? Um, backstage passes for a Rolling Stones concert. I was on my way to it. Okay. And uh, did the concert occur within a day or two after you made the call? It was in a few hours. I oh. was on my way to Atlanta. Okay. And um, let me ask you something. Did you get those passes? No. Did you get any tickets from Mr. Spector? No. No passes from Mr. Spector? No. As a matter of fact, you didn't even get a call back, did you? No, I didn't. So you never spoke to Mr. Spector about that, correct? No. Now, this morning, uh, and it was my mistake, not yours, I got confused on some dates. You actually called Mr. Spector to ask for these passes, as I understand, in February of 06, is that correct? Right. And you didn't, and then you spoke with Mr. Kelly in April of 06, correct? Right. So you actually called him for the passes before you spoke with Mr. Kelly? Right. Okay. And you brought that to my attention after we broke here this morning before we went to lunch, correct? Right. Okay. And let me ask you a question. When Mr. Kelly interviewed you, where did that interview take place? In North Augusta, South Carolina. Okay. And um, Mr. Kelly, he had called you in advance, told you he was coming, and you set this appointment with you? No. Tell us what happened. Someone had come by, gone by my boyfriend's home, and they were looking for me. And I, when I got to my boyfriend's, he said someone's, um, he gave me the card, and so I called the name on the card, which was Dale Kelly. And he asked if he could speak with me, and I told him yes. So he came and interviewed me five minutes later. He was that close to the house, so. Okay, so it was an unannounced visit, right? Yes. He did not call you in advance and let you know? Oh, no. Okay. Um, let's turn our attention to another subject matter, if we may, for a moment. Um, well, let's finish this off first. You spoke with Mr. Kelly, is that correct? Yes. You gave him a statement, correct? Yes. Okay. And when you gave him that statement, uh, you didn't tell him to keep it private, did you? No. You assumed it was going to be released to the defense team as well as the prosecution team, correct? Right. And did you have any reason to believe that the government would not eventually get control of that statement? No. And you expressed no objection to that, did you? No, I did not. Okay. Now, Mr. Jackson asked you a few other questions. Uh, he asked you about what you told the defense investigator and what you didn't and what you would have assumed in your own mind was known to the prosecution and what wasn't. When you told the defense investigator about Melissa's bank fraud, that was the truth, wasn't it? Yes. And when you told the defense investigator about Melissa lying on her Continental Airlines application <coughs> under, <coughs> excuse me, under penalty of perjury, that was the truth, wasn't it? Objection, Your Honor, this is beyond the scope of cross-examination. It is. Okay. Sustained. Let's just stay with the bank fraud. When you told the defense investigator... The bank fraud is 
I think the bank the, the bank fraud was raised uh, during either direct or cross. The that objection is overruled. Thank you. Okay, when you told him about that, and you said that was the truth, you loved your sister then, didn't you? Yes. Okay, and as a matter of fact, you knew about that situation where she had to go to court because of that, correct? Yes. Did you support her? Yes, I did. How'd you do that? I went to court. I was there in court with her. And why'd you go to court with her? Because I love her. Okay. Did you have any reason to believe that Melissa would have withheld that information from the government? No. That calls for speculation that assumes facts, not an evidence. Asking for her state of mind overruled. She may answer. Thank it's her state of mind. Is Does she have any reason to believe that? That's all it is. is, to, is it goes to her. Some of the other answers she gave this morning, I'm going to overrule the objection. I had no reason to believe that she would not tell I mean, that, <laughs> that she did tell them. Okay. And I thought she did tell them. That was a part of her life, correct? Right. Were you aware that Melissa asked to be, not to be on television after it was discovered that she in fact had this bank fraud conviction? Objection. That assumes facts not in evidence. Sustained. Did you have any information from discussions with Melissa about the fact that the bank fraud in her background, in her history, had already been revealed prior to the time that she had made that request? Objection. That calls for hearsay, and if it's not used for the truth of the matter asserted, it's irrelevant. Overruled. She may answer. Did, uh, could you repeat that? I mean, did I? Could you mind repeating that? Sure. Sure. What I'm asking is this: Did you have any reason to believe that Melissa asked not to be on television after the fact of her bank fraud conviction had been revealed? Objection. That assumes facts. That I'm going to you're arguing, Mister. You can argue this at a later time, Mister. Sure. Wasn't sustained. Okay, just uh, a couple of uh, other questions. Uh, you have another sister, Kathy, correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, she's waiting out in the hallway, is that correct? Yes, she is. And she's going to be the next witness, is that right? Yes. Okay. And um, you and Kathy have discussed some of these matters together, yes, correct? Actually, the fact that they've discussed these matters, I think that's appropriate to ask her at this point. I'll allow. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And... Uh, just one final question. When, well, no, it'll have to be broken up. When you testified here this morning that Angela stole that plaque and you witnessed it, were you telling the truth? Objection. Excuse me, misstate. Let me rephrase it. When you testified here this morning that Melissa stole that plaque and you witnessed it, were you telling the truth? Objection. That's for the jury to decide. It calls for well, I was asking whether she was being truthful in her testimony. She may answer that. Yes, I was. And when you testified here this morning that Melissa told you that she wanted to be on court TV, were you telling the truth? Yes. And when you testified here this morning that Melissa on the telephone, on Tawny Tyndall's telephone on the speakerphone said, quote, you told them about the bank embezzlement and the plaque I stole from the judge's home, they wouldn't have known, close quote. Were you telling the truth? Yes. Thank you. Nothing further. Thank you. We cross. Very briefly, if you weren't telling the truth this morning when you testified, would you tell this jury that you weren't being honest? I raised my hand and I was sworn to tell the truth. That's not my question, Ms. Pelleggi. If you weren't telling the truth, would you tell this jury? I was. I thought I was supposed to get up here and tell the truth, so how? why would I not tell the truth? I'm confused. I'm sorry. Ultimately, your truthfulness 
is up for the jurors to decide, not for simply you to say, correct? You agree? Why, I, I misunderstood when that lady asked me to raise my hand. I mean, was it not to tell the truth? I thought it was. And ultimately, that's for the jury to decide. You agree with that in the trial process, correct? Sure. When you went to uh, support your sister, as you indicated, uh, in her bank fraud trial or, or uh, I guess it was a court hearing, that was back in 1989? I don't remember the exact year, but... Sound about right? I couldn't tell you the exact year. 88 to 90? I'm sure you have it on your paperwork somewhere, <laughs> probably. Uh, I'm sure I do. Okay. I'm asking you what your recollection was. I said I don't recollect the exact year. Do you, can you give us an idea, Ms. Pelegi? No. How about this? Was it before or after you lost custody of your kids and Melissa took Lewis's side? Well, I didn't have my sons until 94. We were, so... Okay, that, that answer doesn't help us. We weren't there with you, Ms. Pelegi. I'm simply oh. asking you a very simple question. She was, was had already been sentenced to the embezzlement way before I had my son, so if that helps the jury in here. Okay, so during the course of, and the process of you losing your kids in a custody battle, that was after you had already gone to support your sister, correct? Oh, yes, definitely right. after. Thank you. Yeah. Are you right? Yes, the fact that you had a, as I think Mr. Jackson termed it, a heated custody battle, a real fight, does that in any way impact on your testimony here today as to whether or not you're telling the truth about your sister, Melissa? No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, you're wrong. All right. Subject to recall. You're excused. Thank you for being here. You may step down. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. May I just be excused for one minute for arrangement purposes? Yes. Just for a moment.